well, normally you should be welcoming me to Regent Chapel this morning, but instead of that, I'm welcoming you into my living room. Um, my name is Gary Blair. Um, my wife is Kim, and we have three children. You may see them over my shoulder here. These photographs were taken a number of years, years back. Amy, Benjamin and Karis, A, B, C, so that I, um, a simple Scotsman, remember which order they come in. Uh, Amy is studying now for her hires, which is the equivalent of A-levels, and she's just across the corridor here. And Benjamin and Karis are in the kitchen, which is through this wall, uh, doing their, their, their home education at the minute. And my wife is darting between the two rooms, making sure that things are happening. So if um, I'm disrupted in any way, I'll just simply press pause. And if you hear a cry or someone shouting, please forgive us. This is a living uh, house, and uh, but you're more than welcome to to, sh to share um, with us here in our own home. I should say, I know that a number of you have prayed, and I know that Helen has kept you up to date via the Facebook post. I know a number of you have prayed for my wife Kim, who was gravely unwell in January. Uh, she was in high dependency um, um, through a pneumonia. In fact, we are wondering whether it wasn't the start of this this virus. She managed to pull through that after a couple of weeks in high dependency. Uh, and she pulled through that through the expertise of the hospital, yes, but I believe because the Lord's people were praying for her and you were praying for us as a family and we deeply, deeply appreciate that. And it's just a joy to be able to give you something back this morning in, in ministry. I should say this is take six, I think, now, so hopefully we're good to go. As I was preparing for this, I was flicking through the Google, and you know how when you're looking for something in Google and then you get sidetracked and you realise that you're an hour, um, you've spent an hour on the computer, and uh, you've actually not found what you went into Google for? And as I was searching through Google, it revealed to me that the two safest places to live in Scotland, I didn't do it for England, but for Scotland, were Aberdeen up in the north and Dumfries and Galloway down in the south. I couldn't bring myself to look at uh, where Motherwell, my hometown, landed on that list. I fear it would be near the bottom. Another search led me to a number of web pages of the Social and Anxiety Support Group. And in one of the forums, the question was asked, where do you feel the most safe? Now, I hadn't time to flick through all the many responses. I just briefly glanced down through it. But about 90, 95% of these responses came back with these phrases or similar phrases, I feel most secure in my house, or I feel most secure in my bedroom. Now, we're all in lockdown at the minute, and many of us are having to spend an inordinate amount of time in our house, and possibly even our bedroom, if you're having to self-isolate from other members of the family. And even more sad, as I read down through these, these, these comments, I feel most safe in my bed. Many people in our society today live in fear. Fear of physical abuse, fear of social ostracism, 
fear of being misunderstood, fear of ill health. You name it, there will be a phobia describing it. One of my favourite hymns of all times, and I love old and new hymns, but one of my favourite hymns of all times takes me back to my boys' brigade days many, many years ago now, in fact, several decades ago. And it goes like this, and I, I won't sing it, but I'll just quote it. Will your anchor hold in the storms of life? When the clouds unfold their wings of strife, when the strong tides lift and the cables strain, will your anchor drift or firm remain? I want us to turn to one of the most well-known and powerful Psalms in the Bible, which is a real source of comfort and strength and peace for countless Christians as they cope with the stresses and the anxieties in life, not least during this very difficult time that we find ourselves in. And I see it as a strength and a comfort and a hope for Christians, for this psalm actually holds no comfort and no hope for anyone who doesn't know God. In fact, this psalm is such a powerful psalm that the Prince of Preachers himself, Charles Spurgeon, who studied the psalms in great depth, said this, In the whole collection of psalms, there is not a more cheering psalm than this one. And it is so well known that even Satan himself knows it, and he quoted part of it to the Lord Jesus while he was in wilderness, in the wilderness during those 40 days and nights. So I want us to read Psalm 91, and I want us to be introduced again to the God of refuge and strength. So let's read Psalm 91. If you have a Bible, you can turn to it. I'm reading from the New International Version. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you over with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night nor the arrow that flies by day nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you make the most holy, most high your dwelling, even the Lord who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you. No disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him and I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honour him. 
with long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Amen. And may God bless his words to us. In this psalm, Psalm 91, in spite of the difficulties, in spite of the dangers which envelop the psalmist and envelop us, it describes for us in this psalm the most safe place in the world or the safest place in the world. Secondly, it describes for us the most secure place in the world, not just the safest, but the securest place in the world. And then thirdly, it describes for us the most satisfying place in the world. So three points. I'm in my living room. I'm not in a church setting, but I still have three points. Three points that I want to to share with you this morning. This psalm describes for us the most safe place in the world. There are really two big things that I want to pull out of this this first point for you. And the first is this, and it's the most important. It is the most safe place in the world because of who God is. Being in his presence is safe because of who he is. Do you see the words describing the very character of God as you read down this psalm? Look at the first few verses of this psalm. God's character and his nature are displayed for us. They're displayed for us by and through and in his names. Verse 1, it says, the shelter of the Most High. In Hebrew, Elion, which means the possessor of the heavens and the earth, and our lives are in his hands. The God who is over all things is our God. Nothing is above God. There is no match for God. For we read in scripture a number of scriptures that would underline this fact for us, but not least in Isaiah chapter 40, the Lord himself asks a question, to whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes to the heavens. Who created all these things? He who brings out the starry hosts one by one and calls forth each one of them by name. He knows the stars by name. That's how powerful he is. That's how awesome he is. And because of his might, his great power and mighty strength, the psalmist continues, not one of them is missing. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths tire and and are weary and young men stumble and fall. But those whose hope is in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. God is the possessor of the heavens and the earth. And we are found in his presence. Then we read on in verse 1. 
the shadow of, of the Almighty. Again, the Hebrew is Shaddai. This is not Almighty and great in strength, but rather the Almighty, all-sufficient one who is great in grace and who meets our needs. He is the all-sufficient one. But we have another description of the character of God, and he is the Most High, and he is the Almighty, both in verse 1 and in verse 2, he is Lord, capital L-O-R-D. And when you see Lord like this in capitals in Scripture, it is the name Yahweh or Jehovah, the eternal, unchangeable, promise and covenant-keeping God, the great I am, the one who was, who is, and who is to come, the eternal God. Verse 2 has not finished with the description of who God is. He is a refuge, he is a fortress, and God, here it is Elohim, the creator God. In the beginning, God, Elohim, created the heavens and the earth. You see, this is the most safe place in the world because of who God is. He is most high. He is almighty. He is Lord. And he is our refuge and fortress fortress and we do well to remember these truths when we are stuck in our homes and when we're frustrated because we can't get out and as we go about our, our daily business praying for one another and praying for ourselves may this be our prayer that we would find our the the the, the our strength in the Lord himself who is the Most High Almighty, the Lord, a refuge and fortress. Fortress is the safest place to be in the world. But secondly, and very importantly for us, it is the most safe place in the world because of who we are. Not just because of who God is, but because of who we are. You see, this psalm is not a psalm for every human being. Let me explain this. Bear with me. Not every human being can currently claim the safety of this psalm. For it is only he or she who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. It is only he or she who rests in the shadow of the Almighty who can claim this truth. It is only he or she who says of the Lord, he is my refuge, he is my fortress, he is my God in whom I trust. It is a psalm for he or she who is actively trusting in the Lord. So therefore this psalm is not only one of comfort, it is also one of challenge. Are you trusting in the Lord? Jesus said to his disciples, not long before he would leave this, or he would go to the cross, he said this, you trust in God, trust also in me. Are you trusting in Jesus? 
The psalmist is describing for us here a life of communion with God. That is the refuge, the life of communion with God, of being found in his presence. That is where our safety lies. Now, many have tried to pinpoint the actual setting of this psalm, and some of the other psalms are easier to place and easier to understand because you can get right to the heart of the context. But we can't be sure for this psalm. Some people think it is a psalm of David, and that's possible. Some people believe that Moses wrote the psalm because Psalm 90, just just before this one, is a prayer of Moses. Well, I don't know the context of this of this psalm, but I suggest that perhaps the reason that we can't be sure of it is a way that the Holy Spirit himself is able to apply it to your life and to my life. We can apply these dangers to the dangers we face, these trials to the trials that we face, and therefore, in turn, we can trust in the same God and abide in him and trust in him, the same God as the psalmist did. No matter what befalls us, God is saying, I will protect you, I will be with you. It doesn't mean we will not go through life with, with, with no trouble. It doesn't mean that Christians don't get this virus. Of course we do. I have a list of people I'm praying for in the churches here. In fact, some people have gone to be with the Lord through this virus recently in the the local churches around here. For man is born into the world, as Job says, and the sparks fly upward. As the sparks fly upward, man is born to trouble. But the point of this psalm is this, that when we go through trouble, God is with us. The psalm is this. The teaching of the psalm is this. Abide in God, verse 1. Dwell in God. Dwell in the secret place. Abide under his shadow. Trust in him. Live for him. Make your habitation God and nothing will harm you. He is the safest place on this planet. But not only does this psalm describe for us the safest place in the world, it also describes for us the securest place in this world because of what God does. It's the safest place because of who God is and who we are in God. It is the securest place because of what God does. Verse 3, it tells us he saves us from the fowler's snare. A hunter's trap is designed to be hidden, is it not? It's disguised. There may be something there to entice an animal in, water, food or whatever. It may be hidden under leaves or whatever, but it is disguised in order for the animal to be tricked into the trap. Some things are like that in life, aren't they? They come at you when you least expect it. Bad report from your GP. Redundancy. You name it. And they can trap you and they can bind you. And it may be what the psalmist is getting at by the terror of the night. Things seem much more serious during the night. Much more worrying. You see, we, we are less likely to see things that come at night. That is why some have a fear of darkness and night. 
But even when we do see things coming, it's hard to dodge them, isn't it? It's hard to dodge this virus and all its implications. And they may come fast, like as the psalmist says, the arrow that flies by day, you see it coming, but you've no time to dodge it. Well, we see these things coming in broad daylight, but they're coming so fast at us that we can't work out how on earth we can, we can dodge them. Things that come expectantly by day, we could have written the script, and things that come by night and take us by surprise. Now, I want us to note here that these things can and do attack those who are trusting in God. The snare is there, the deadly pestilence is is invading, the terror of the night is real, the arrows are flying by day, thousands may fall all around, but they are around you, you are there to observe with your own eyes, and this has echoes of God's judgment. And if the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the fact that he came into the world to save sinners like me and like you, is good news, is great news, It is good news, yes, but there is bad news. The other side of the coin is that we need to be saved. That we need to be secure and safe in God's presence. Why is it that some fall in their walk with God? Some people fall in their walk with God because they misunderstand what the psalmist is saying here and what God is teaching us through this psalm. Bad things do happen at times to good people. In fact, sometimes when we look around, we see many bad things happening to godly people. Christians in crisis reckon that at any given moment of each day, over 200 million Christians face persecution in our world. They reckon that 300 plus Christians are killed for their faith every day. You see, we have a warped sense of what God does if we believe that he always and consistently delivers his people out of persecution and difficulties and bounding around verses like Romans 8, 28 and Jeremiah 29, verse 11, and you can look at them. But when we bound these verses around out of, out of context, it does not help us when the rubber hits the road. Often it is not deliverance out of a situation that God offers, but it's deliverance in the very midst of difficulty. It's strength as you are going and walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Picture the scene as Daniel is lowered into the lion's den in the Old Testament. What happened? God didn't suddenly beam him up like some Star Trek movie. Did God put to death all the lions? No. Daniel was lured into the den with the lions there, but God removed their power, their bite. It's the same with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. In that fire, in that furnace, what did God do? In the middle of that fire, in the middle of that furnace, heated seven times more than usual, one like a son of the gods walked with them. To the extent that when they came out, the king and his officials and the people could not even smell fire from them. 
one of the things that we've experienced over the past few few days is that because we've got good weather, we're actually experiencing our summer at the minute in Scotland. I hope we're enjoying it because it doesn't last long. But one of the things that is happening is people have got opportunities and time to do their gardens. And so there's fires all the time. So you've got to be very careful that you don't have your, your, your washing out at five, six in the evening. Because there will be some uh, neighbour lighting a fire somewhere. And if your washing is out and there's a fire on, it will smell of smoke. The king didn't even smell burning or fire from them. That's how much God protected Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. I don't want to play down your worries. I have my film of worries. I don't want to trivialise your, your woes. That would not be fair to you. It would not be real. We all face difficulties of health, work, life and family and even more so during these, these trials. However, the very reason that this psalm speaks of the most secure place in the world is because of what God does in the midst of difficulties, temptations and promises. He problems rather. He is there, verse 4. He is faithful. He is our refuge, verse 9. Do you see that? He protects us, verse 11 and 12. He helps you to overcome, verse 12. It tells us that we will tread upon the lion and the cobra. We will trample the great lion and the serpent. We can't but see the hand of Satan here as he describes, has been described as a roaring lion by Peter in the New Testament. And the snake reminding us of Satan's actions in the Garden of Eden. I think this speaks of the very real temptations we have in life to sin, to fall because of our difficult circumstances. There is great scope for us at the minute during these difficult times for us to fall into sin. Flee Satan. Flee from temptation. Now how can we resist temptation? By dwelling in the shadow of the Most High. By resting in the shadow of the Almighty, by trusting in God. Refuge in the Lord, it is firstly the most safe place in the world because of who God is and because of who we are. Refuge in the Lord, it is secondly the most secure place in the world because of what God does. Thirdly, and finally, in this psalm, it is the most satisfying place in the world because of God's comfort and God's word. There are comforting words in this psalm. Do you see how God takes the microphone from the psalmist here in verse 14? God is truly speaking now. Because this man, this psalmist, loves me, says the Lord. Because he loves me, I will rescue him, I will protect him, and I will answer him. Comforting, comforting words for us. Now I want you to note that this rescuing, this protecting, this answering, is not a carte blanche for all the world's inhabitants. Not even for all who would call themselves Christians. 
This rescuing in times of trouble, this rescuing, this protection in dangerous situations, this delivering in adversity, however frail it may be, our faith is based upon our acknowledgement of who God is. However inexhaustive our understanding of him may be, it is based upon our calling out to him, our crying out to him for mercy, however faint our cry may be. And it is ultimately the refuge we find in the Lord is ultimately and fully satisfying, verse 16, because we will see his full salvation. The psalm for us underlines what true refuge in the Lord is. God has never, ever promised us an easy ride. He's never promised us an easy time here on earth. But one thing he has promised to the believer, to the one who trusts in him, he has promised a full and safe arrival into his presence, into his glory, when we see truly the fullness of his salvation. God intends for every Christian, he intends for you, he intends for me, to have a solid sense of safety, of security in this unsafe and insecure world. Pray for your politicians and your leaders, but don't trust in man. Man does not have all the answers. God does. And the safest and most secure place to be during this time of lockdown is in his presence. He's made you that way. Not to be sufficient in yourself. Not to be courageous in yourself. But for you to find your fulfilment, your security, your refuge, your safety in him. So here we have this Psalm, Psalm 91. God's presence is the most secure place and safest place and satisfying place to be. During this time of lockdown, don't let it go to waste. Spend time in his presence and trust him. And if you don't know him yet and you're not a Christian and you're wondering where life is heading, can I point you in the direction of God's Son, Jesus, who came into this world to live a perfect life, to heal, to save people, but at the end of his life, to give up his life on a cross for people like you and me? And the Bible teaches me simply this, that if I believe that he is the Christ, if I believe that he is the promised one, and if I believe that he died for my sin on the cross, and if I confess to God my need of forgiveness and my need of him, and thank him for Jesus taking my place on the cross, the Bible teaches me that through these means we can be saved. 
There is no other way. There is no safest and securest and more satisfying place in this world than to be in his presence. May God richly bless you. And I desperately hope in the not too distant future I get a chance to visit you in Regent Chapel again. I always love my visits coming down to you, coming down to, to, to Newcastle. I have t- two of my my, my sister-in-laws live, live down in Newcastle. Um, my wife's sisters live there. And I have a, a deep affection for you in Christ. And trust that during this time of, of distance between yourselves as brothers and sisters, that you would know the comfort of the Lord as you read through the Psalms and read through his word. Bless you. Let let me pray now. Father, I give you thanks for your great love towards us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And we thank you that through Christ, through Jesus, we can know you and be found in your presence, the safest, securest and most satisfying place to be. Help us during these times to put our trust fully in you and bless your church at Regent Chapel, Lord. Cause them to grow not just in numbers, but in depth and understanding of who you are. For I ask all these things in and through the name of Jesus. Amen.